A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, I'm Sally Murphy. Well three New Zealand sides will play in the Super Rugby semi-finals this weekend. The Hurricanes are in South Africa rearing up to take the Lions on and the Crusaders will take on the Chiefs in Christchurch. The Cantabrians are sticking with last week's winning lineup. I asked Barry Guy if he thinks that's a good idea. It's a winning combination and they uh, performed well against the Highlanders last weekend in the in the big wet in Christchurch. And so Coach Scott Robertson, you know, he obviously thinks that uh, they're the guys that can get the job done. And from what I've seen, there's no reason to think that um, that changes at all. There's plenty of experience there in the forwards, you know, plenty of All Blacks there. And, and Ryan Crotty sort of running things in the back line uh, along with Israel Dagg. It just shows that uh, it's a pretty good, pretty good Crusaders line-up that has uh, got them through so far this season with just one loss. So uh, now the Crusaders, uh, for me, uh, they'd, they'd have to be favourites. Even though the Chiefs have got Charlie Natai and Mitchell Brown back? I mean, both of them are in pretty good form. Yeah, it's a, it's a question, I suppose, how much is that travel back from South Africa, South Africa going to hurt them? They beat the Stormers over there. Just the way that the Crusaders have managed to control games this year, I'm tipping them, but not by much. If the Chiefs did get up and win, it would it wouldn't be a major surprise because you know they won a couple of titles a few years ago, more recently than the Crusaders have. And again, they've got plenty of uh, All Blacks in there: Brody Retallica, Liam Messam, Sam Kane. You know, Tawari Kerbalo and Aaron Cruden uh, in the halves, they're both leaving at the end of the season, so it'd be good for them to carry on one more game, uh, I suppose. But really, I do think that um, just the way the Crusaders have managed to control their game this year and they're playing at home, I'm just tipping them just by a few points to uh, to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, well, hopefully they've got better conditions than last week, that's for sure. Well, actually, Scott Robertson, uh, the Crusaders coach this week, said that he doesn't mind if it carries on raining the way they played against the Highlanders. Um, he said, bring on the wet. You know, they've proven that they can win in those conditions, and so uh, he's not too concerned. Yeah, they were pretty extreme, though, weren't they? Yeah, not great for the fans. <laughs> and what about the Lions-Hurricanes game? The Hurricanes obviously have a good track a track record against them. They've won 17 out of the last 20 games. Do you think it's going to be an easy push this weekend? This is the hardest one for me to pick, really, because uh, the Lions haven't played a New Zealand team this year, so it's it's hard to see, you know, how they will cope with the New Zealand style of game. The Hurricanes, they've managed to win in recent times, but not to the way that coach Chris Boyd will have liked. And having come from the conditions in New Zealand to now go to hopefully what will be great conditions in South Africa, where perhaps they can open things up, um, I'm not, I just don't really know how... It's going to come together and what what the game is going to be, how it's going to be played. This is a repeat of last year's final that was played in Wellington in not great conditions and the Hurricanes won convincingly. 
The Lions and Johannesburg, I don't think they've lost a home game there in 14 matches now. But as you say, the Hurricanes have played well in South Africa. Do you think, though, yeah. like the two sides haven't played this season, do you think there'll be it'll be a slow start, a few teething issues to yeah, give them well, time to adjust to each other? I think there'll be a bit of uh, kicking for position to start. I think it's uh, for uh, the Hurricanes. It's a, manage- it's a matter of holding on to the ball and managing the ball and getting that uh, you know, up in the position stakes, that'll count for them because they've shown with uh, Laumapi and Arsol to been able to score tries from, from anywhere and, and that could well be the difference. Um, I'm just picking the lines to hold on those um, for some reason. Playing at home, you know, they, uh, they know how to play playoff rugby and it's in their conditions. Just a, another very close one but I'm picking the Lions to uh, just beat the Hurricanes. One side not in the semis is the Highlanders. Their season came to an end last weekend after the Crusaders won the quarter. The club's priority now is to find a new head coach, with Tony Brown heading to Japan to help coach the national side. Assistant coach Mark Hammett and attack coach Aaron Major are both front runners to take over, with Clark Drummondry and John Preston also in the mix. Barry Guy spoke to the club's CEO, Roger Clark, and asked him what he thought about the 2017 season. Yeah, look, we started off the season reasonably slowly, and, and that probably cost us a little bit, but uh, I thought the coaches did a great job of getting things back on track and uh, managing our way through a lot of injuries early on uh, to score some pretty good wins through the middle of the season and then obviously the highlight of the season for us was uh, a very good win against the Lions in, in the June series but uh, look, we weren't quite able to do it although we had um, pretty good depth in our squad uh, and uh, at the end of the season everybody was available um, just weren't good enough when it really mattered. The situation you're in now, I mean Tony's leaving but also Scott McLeod's gone you know, off to the All Blacks, you know, losing two it's a, out of your coaching staff. Um, that's obviously going to be what, difficult, but a challenge to overcome? Yeah, look, it's not ideal, but we're, um, we're pretty lucky that we've got uh, lots of continuity in our leadership group and our management team. And then on top of that, we've already got um, four coaches contracted for next year and, and we who we think are all very capable. Uh, we've got one more to add to that, but um, obviously the head coach uh, will be selected out of those four. Uh, I see Tony Brown, he sort of um, gave um, plenty of applause for Aaron Major as the head coach. What can what can we take from that, perhaps? Ah, it's, I'm only one man's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you you know, out of the four that you've got, do you, you, you think that, you know, there's a, there's a quality head coach uh, ready to take over there? Yeah, look, I think uh, of the four, I mean, I rate the four all very highly. Uh, three of them obviously have been involved in the campaign this year and, and two of them have been involved since 2013. So look, there's still a lot of continuity there and they're all good people and they're all very good coaches in their own right. And uh, I'm sure between them, uh, along with whoever we add to the mix, um, I create a very competitive environment again for next year. So how do you feel, you know, there's not, there don't many super rugby coaching positions come along in New Zealand, it seems... How do you see the stocks and the, how the system with them coming through and perhaps going overseas and coming back? Do you think you know New Zealand coaching's um, in in a good place and even moving all the way up to the All Blacks? Oh, look, I, I, I think it's changing. I think the New Zealand coaching stocks are outstanding. I think um, 
you know, we do a fantastic job in New Zealand of um, creating players and, and coaches, and there's a lot of great uh, New Zealand coaches, but I think the professional environment, as it evolves, uh, has changed things, and, and a lot of those coaches are um, plying their trade offshore. So there are only a couple of, um, or five super rugby jobs, and there's only a couple of, um, you know, the All Blacks haven't changed, the coaches haven't changed for a long time. So those coaches then go and ply their uh, trade offshore, and, and they're doing that very successfully. So from New Zealand's coaching stocks wise, there's lots of them. It's just a, a timing. Uh, issue and making sure that they're available when you need them, and that's not always the case. And uh, you're playing roster, uh, you know, Fikator, obviously, but I mean, you're happy where you're uh, with there for 2018? Yeah, look, I think we're in a, a very strong place. Um, we'd like to think we'll be stronger next year than we are this year from a playing roster perspective. Uh, you always have a bit of natural transition um, from, you know, like. Um, guys getting a bit older and, and guys wanting to move on, but yeah, it's always important that you bring in some youth and enthusiasm into your squad as well, uh, and sometimes you know you also need to a little bit of quality, but we're, we're, uh, we've only got a couple of spots vacant for next year now. We've got a lot of continuity. Um, apart from Malakai, um, our top-tier players are all staying, and uh, on top of that, you know, there's some young guys coming through that have um, proved themselves this year and will continue to do so next year. Highlanders CEO Roger Clark talking to Barry Guy. Still with rugby, drug-free sports is going to start testing players at the top four first 15 finals at Palmerston North in September. The decision was prompted by mounting concerns players all over the country are doping to meet growing pressure to perform. Drug-free sports Chief Operating Officer Scott Tibbet told Morning Report's Guy and Espiner how it's going to work. We're looking to get as many schools as possible on board with our education so that they can learn about uh, the testing process, what happens, um, what they can expect. Um, but as, as I've said before, we're looking for a, a deterrent factor, which is uh, the testing at this time. Yeah, which is why you're keen to talk about it. And you want to get schools on board before that happens so they know what they potentially are up for, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've been running an education program for the last sort of year, um, pushing uh, the Good Clean Sport Youth Program, which is specifically targeted at this age group uh, and all about the integrity of sport. And, and what are we testing for? I mean, what, what can you say about that? I guess you don't want to give everything away, but what, what are you specifically testing for? Yeah, well, we, we are, we've taken the approach that we want to make sure that we're not catching any innocence. Um, so we're, we're testing for a range of substances, um, but we're, we're looking to make sure that we don't trip up innocent people. So contaminated supplements and th- things like that is probably something that, that won't um, be picked up in these, yeah. these rounds. So, so you're mainly worried about steroids, right? Well, absolutely. And yeah. in the survey we did back in 2013, it showed that uh, a couple of youth athletes um, admitted to taking prohibitive substances. So, and I guess you don't know because we haven't been testing, but do we have any idea about the prevalence of this in uh, secondary uh, school rugby? Well, based on the research that we have done, uh, and also the UK and South Africa, there is potentially an issue, which is why we need to go in and do this testing to actually really just discover if there is an issue. We're also conducting doctoral research into this issue. Um, so hopefully we'll come out of that a lot better armed um, and able to create a really good prevention program that will help in the future. Mm. And some of these guys going straight from school really to um, to, to Super Rugby or even All Blacks. Well, yeah, the, the, the highest levels of sport. So we think it's really critical that they're aware of uh, the rules, um, how they can trip themselves up so that they don't, uh, and also that, that they're bound by these rules and then they have to abide by them. Okay. In some cases we're going to be dealing with, um, with minors, aren't we? We're going to be dealing with pretty young 
school kids, aren't we? I mean, potentially 15-year-olds could be tested. I mean, how, how do you Yeah, and that's, sure that that's that... something I think that uh, the, the school's environment, when you say the word school, it automatically creates a, a bit of a... Um, a reaction. Um, however, we regularly test uh, teens and, and mid-teens, um, you know, in sports like swimming and gymnastics and stuff like that. So it's not unusual for us to be testing at this age group. And would they have a, a parent or a, even a legal representative with them? Potentially? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that you can have a representative with you uh, during the testing session to make sure that everything is being done above board, which it absolutely is. But and I just want to check: did, Will you test all these players, or is this a random? Testing? No, no, we're just random. testing a select um, group of, of players in the final. Yeah. Now, we talked about supplements in the intro, but, I mean, they presumably aren't uh, illegal to take, are they? Well, well, some they're, they're, not a, they're not illegal to take, per yeah. se. Um, it's what may be in those supplements that's the challenge for, for us and for anyone out there. So they're not regulated. You don't know what's in them. I mean, you look at the ingredients label, there could be something that's made up with 50 characters. That you've got no clue what mm. it is. Um, and there's um, people spending a lot of money on them, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we've heard reports of people spending you know, upwards of $100 a week on these things. Um, um, they don't do anything except create expensive urine. There's no research to back up <laughs> really? that, that what they say they do, they actually do. Yeah. And are these kids, uh, in some cases, are teenagers taking Yeah, this absolutely. Stuff? I mean, the, the survey we did uh, said that some of them, up to 70% of them, were taking four or more supplements a week. Wow. Hey, just finally, what has been the reaction of, of schools? Have you had any pushback to this at all? Or? Look, as I said in my earlier point, I think there has been some concern around us testing in the school environment. Um, however, we're all about protecting the integrity of sport um, and believe that the, the school environment is, is sacrosanct. So we really want to make sure that we are uh, educating these school students uh, and making sure that we're protecting that integrity of sport in that space. Scott Tibbet talking to Guy Nespiner. The Silver Ferns netball captain, Katrina Grant, has re-signed with the Central Pulse for another year. The long-serving and long-suffering Grant was part of the franchise's success this year after they made the playoffs for the first time in their 10-year history. The 30-year-old told sports editor Stephen Hewson, making the grand final of the inaugural ANZ Premiership, made the decision to stay all the more easier. been here for quite a while now and is, um, I love Wellington, a lot of people, I love the city. The team's been great this year, really um, come leaps and bounds and I, I enjoyed myself and the new coaching staff that we've had and yeah, bit of a bit of a no brainer. The fact that things did go so well, did did that I mean perhaps if they if they hadn't or hadn't reached the finals, I know you've put, talked about previously the frustration of, of obviously what's gone on. How, how what might effect might that have had? Yeah, you just you just never know, do you? And it, yeah, like especially um moved to Rotorua the other week with my partner and things, so it's, uh, you know, the Magic were obviously closer and things, but they've got a great defensive line up there, and you don't really want to, um, at my sometimes you don't really know if you want to you want to leave and have to set up shop and start somewhere else afresh, and um, yeah, like I said, I like I like to be loyal, and um, I'm getting near the end of my career, and it would be great to be able to play out there in, in a franchise you've been with for a while. The end of your career, you think? Uh, Lana DeBrain's 40, she's just signed with Adelaide. Yeah, <laughs> crazy 40. I do think I'll be going that long, but I still have a few years left um, under my belt. But, you know, you just you just never know, um, you know, when injuries could could occur or any sort of circumstance. So you really got to make the most of, of what you've got and, and, and relish it and enjoy yourself. How much interest was there from other franchises, both New Zealand and Australia? Um, yeah, I didn't even think about the Australian option at all. You know, um, I want to play for... Uh, um, our country, and, and that's the first and foremost, especially with Com Games World Champs coming up. 
that's um, kind of pinnacle of, of most netballers' careers, and that's what you want to do and you want to strive for. So, yeah, Aussie was, was never really at the back of my mind at all. Was there Were there a few other franchises sniffing around, though? Yeah, but, you know, in, in New Zealand, other franchises are always, always around about and, and looking at options and things like that. But, yeah, making the decision of staying in Wellington was ended up being quite an easy one. Perhaps just with a year-long contract, though, you've given, given yourself options come, come the end of 2018? Yeah, like I said, you just never, never really know um, how things are going to go. And especially living in Rotorua now, um, you kind of need to keep your options open and things. But... Um, First and foremost, Wellington is where it is, and we've still got um, a long international um, calendar to come up and really want to put my best foot forward for that, going into comm games and making that team is, is at the front of my mind, and then we'll have the ANZ chance and see, kind of see where it goes from there. Now that you've had a, a bit of space, I suppose, for, for the ANZ Premiership, what are your thoughts in relation to how the Trans-Tasman competition stacked up against it? I mean, did you feel that the competition level was not as tough as perhaps last year? I think it was totally different. Um, the, I think the major benefits of the AZ Premiership just being in NZ is the amount of young talent that's come through, um, and that's only got to be good for our international calendar. There's, um, our New Zealand 21s went away, and the majority of those girls played in, the, in a franchise team. A lot of them got court time, which is huge for them and going on and winning that. And then a few of them now have been invited to the Silverburns trial. So, you know, looking for the future, I think this is exactly what New Zealand needed to do to, to get those young ones out on court, give them a lot of exposure. Um, and, and help our international side out. Does it mean, though, for a couple of years that the domestic competition might might suffer because it wasn't as strong um, as what the Trans-Tasman competition was? I wouldn't say it wasn't as strong. Um, there was definitely, obviously, blowouts. But, again, whenever we're playing sometimes against Aussie teams and vice versa, there'd be blowouts too. So it's, it's definitely... I enjoyed playing in the NZ and against New Zealand sides. Um, uh, it, it was unfortunate there was... Obviously, the steel went through unbeaten, and they were. It was very unlikely they were going to get beaten during the season, as they just were were very tough. But there's been a lot of movement for next year, um, and I think that that's a positive. I think it's going to even out um, the ANZ Premiership and really show. Um, I know teams against each other. It will be stronger. You know, you've got the first year done and dusted. Um, yeah, like I said, movement, and I think it will be a lot stronger. Silver Ferns captain Katrina Grant talking to sports editor Stephen Hewson. New Zealand Breakers coach Paul Henneday has moved a step closer to finalising his roster for the upcoming ANBL season as he prepares to take the Tall Blacks to their first Asia Cup. The Breakers have signed 29-year-old Dominican Republic import Ed Casosa, a point guard who has three consecutive league championships to his name in Italy, Iran and most recently in Lebanon. Meanwhile, Henneday and the Tall Blacks are in China this week for a pre-tournament series against Angola and Lithuania before they head to Lebanon for their first Asia Cup. Matt Chatterton spoke to Henneday about their chances at the Cup and their new import. Yeah, I mean, we've signed him to be our starting point guard and that's, that, I mean, that's who he, the position he's played is his whole life, but I guess he has a unique skill set uh, and a little bit of size. You know, he's about 6'2", 6'3", so he can play off the ball and obviously the way he can shoot it has the ability to play off the ball, but for us, um, you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands and, and, and be our number one guy. You are starting to fill up those positions, I guess, in the guard uh, positions. Um, your other import, will he likely be sort of a big man, or what sort of you thinking around that? I mean, I, I think we definitely need to, to keep bolstering our guard stocks, so, um, you know, I'll be looking at some shooting guards, some combo guards, just to see 
Um, you know, obviously we've got um, Edgar and Kirk and Tom there and, and Shay Ellie off the bench. But, um, you know, I think we just need, you know, another ball carrier and someone that can handle a little bit of pressure. Nice. Just a couple of questions on the tall blacks before you go off. Um, what are sort of your expectations out of this? I mean, you are taking it as quite a young side. What are your sort of expectations for this trip to Lebanon? Are you, are you hoping to get wins or is it more about experience at this point? Uh, we're expecting to get wins. You know, that's our expectations, but it's going to be a tough challenge. Um, but... You know, the, the, the brief time that we've had in camp for these last six days, you know, I've just been really, really impressed and enjoyed the, the, the youth and energy that this young team brings. And, um, and, you know, they will compete and scrap and fight every, every step of the way. And, uh, you know, results aside, that's, that's what we want. You know, that's got to be a baseline standard for us, um, especially at the defensive end, and, and these guys will, will, will do that. Um, uh, but, you know... Probably the one thing that we want them to get out of it most is to, to gain experience and, and see who and what they'll be up against in the, in the coming years. So you've had enough time to, Joe, you think, or will it be a case of just building those combinations sort of as the tournament progresses? Yeah, I mean, we never have enough time as a tour box. You know, it's pretty random. We get together for about five or six days, have a camp, and then head overseas and start you know, playing in these types of tournaments where we, where we grow and build as a team as well. So, um, you know, that's what will be happening um, in the next 10 days while we're in China playing against... You know, Lithuania and Angola. Angola looks like you know some some good good names in that team there. So it's going to be enough t- another tough challenge for the boys. Just quickly on your final spot, you've uh, got to fill. Will that be a local talent? I'm guessing uh, that you're thinking. Yeah, more than likely. Um, you know, we, we're more than likely going to need someone uh, locally to, to fill that last spot. And um, you know, some of these guys on, on the Tall Blacks will will uh, will be in the mix for that. That wraps up Extra Time for another week. If you've got any tips or story ideas, flick us an email at sport at radionz.co.nz. Have a good one. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.